You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm so excited. Can we throw up the swipe graphic when you guys get a chance? Uh, Tonight, we are wrapping up the series that we've been in for a few weeks now called Swipe, where you guys have gotten to choose your own topics uh, to discuss, and and you've gotten to different breakout sessions where we've talked about uh, purity, we've talked about dating, and we've talked about singleness and friend drama. But it culminates tonight uh, with me having my amazing, brilliant, phenomenal, incredible wifey Sarah on the stage with me. Um, And I, yeah! And we are so excited, we are so excited uh, to share a message with you. But first thing I want to say is if you are brand new to HSM, we are so glad you're here. Welcome. Our hope and our desire is that as you got some free coffee or some free food, maybe got a gift and got to know some people, that you feel right at home here, that you feel like you're a part of the family. And and we actually want to show you, we have a gift for you. We're going to throw it up on the screen. We have a gift for you. If it's your first night with us, we have something called the First Time Pack. And so we would love for you to take one of those home. It's got a Starbucks coupon in it. We'd love to get to know you and hang out with you more. Um, And then uh, you're going to fill out a little connect card at the end of the night in your group so that we can uh, keep you guys informed on what's going on. But um, we are so pumped for tonight, and we have so much content to share with you in such little time, and we want to get you into your small group. So tonight, what Sarah and I are talking about, and if you want to pass, you got some pens underneath uh, your chairs, go ahead and pass those pens down the rows, because we've got some fill in the blanks tonight. So y'all are going to be filling in some blanks. And we think this is going to be really, really helpful for you. So as we begin, as we begin, uh, tonight what we want to talk about, tonight what we want to talk about is 12 things, 12 things that Sarah and I have learned about love, relationships, and God. And here's a freebie. Gentlemen, here's a freebie. This isn't even one of the 12. This is just an absolute freebie. Remembering equals loving, okay? Remembering equals loving. Here's what I mean by that. We plugged all like for the last month that we had 11 things that we wanted to talk about because I was like, Sarah, we've been dating uh, for 11 years. We're married, obviously, but for 11 years, we've been dating. So we're going to share with the group 11 things. And then Sarah was like, Eric, we've been dating 12 years, not 11 years, which just goes to show you guys remembering is loving, like remembering important dates, remembering, you know, anniversaries, remembering... Eye Cutler. I, you want to tell them that story? You can tell them that story. You guys, when Eric and I had been... This is a free tip for boys to not do this, okay? When we had been driving for two months, I mean, dating for two months, uh, or three months, actually, three months, we were driving, and it was, it was dark outside. It was nighttime, and he said, you just have the most beautiful eyes, and I probably should have said thank you. Yeah, you, sh- I- yeah you should have. You really should have. <laughs> it was kind of bratty what I said, but I said, what color are they? That's so mean. I know. And I was And looking- I was next to her, and so I'm nervous. He's My driving. Are sweating. I was looking out the window. No, you weren't nervous. Okay. He said, he said, blue, obviously. And I like kept looking, and I was like, nope, they're not blue. And then he went, I meant green. And I was like, try again. His last guess was brown. So... 
Make sure if you are dating someone and you think she has beautiful eyes, just take note to what color they are. That's right, that's right. So remembering is important. But honestly, you guys, we want to jump in to 12 things that we've learned about love, uh, relationships, and God. And here's the thing. A lot of these lessons, a lot of these lessons have come from us failing, have come from us messing up, have come from us missing the point. Uh, and then other ones have come from great mentors that have given us advice. And so we don't come up here um, as a couple that has it all together. We come up here as uh, people who are just a little bit farther along than you and have a desire to, uh, to see your relationships be all that God would desire them to be. So number one, if you're filling in blanks, here you go. Number one is this. Live by the mantra, friends first. Live by the mantra, friends first. I want to show you, or I want you to check out this proverb. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. When we say, make this your mantra, friends first, we mean two things. Here's the first thing we mean. Do not be that person. Do not be that person who has all these great friends, and then as soon as you get a boyfriend or girlfriend, you're like, peace, see you in like six months when we break up. You know what I mean? Like, don't be (laughs) that person. Choose to be the person who keeps your friendships close before the girl or the boy comes into your life, during when the boy and girl are in your life, and once that boy or girl leaves, you still have those tight friendships. Friendships are so important, and honestly, especially if you're in a relationship right now, I hope this isn't the statistic for you, but 99% of high school relationships, they fail, right? Like, they end, they end, and I know that's like super depressing, but maybe yours will be the the secret one. But here's the thing, (laughs) what won't, What has a better chance of thriving, what has a better chance of thriving is your relationships with the friends that you make. So number one, make sure you keep those friends close. But number two, number two, and you've heard me talk about this at length, if you are thinking about getting into a relationship with someone, I challenge you, wait six months. Be friends with them for six months before you date them. And here's why that's important. Because most people enter into relationships because they think that person's hot or cute or really funny or whatever. And what they fail to do is they fail to get to know whether that person is somebody they would want to spend a lot of time with. And so if you're thinking about dating someone, choose to be friends with them for six months. And a little note about that, Eric and I just so happened to be friends first because I didn't like him like that yet. Thanks, and no, but I'm just saying it was so awesome because before him, when I dated boys, we weren't friends first and we started dating based on attraction and then I wasn't like totally my authentic true self. And so being friends with Eric, I got to just be completely who I am, all the mess and he still liked it and it built trust and now we're still best friends. But so. honestly, I mean, you liked me a little bit. Like you were like kind of into me, right, Eric? I know. Wow, okay, so. It's, I, it took me a while to come to my senses. Okay, all right, let's but move now, on. Now let's I move do. on, let's all right, move on. Number, number two. two. Number two. Number two is have a clear purpose for the why behind your relationship. And you need to ask yourself, are you ready to date? Why do you want to date? And what's the purpose of your relationship? I want to share with you guys Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says, for lack of guidance, a nation fails, but victory is won through many advisors. So it means if you want to have a relationship that is victorious, that is healthy, that is successful, you need a team around you. You need advisors. You need people speaking into your life. So talk with your parents. First, ask yourself, 
are you ready today? And ask your parents if they think you're ready and your friends and your Christian friends and your small group leaders. And if you do feel like you're ready to date, well, first of all, if you are dating someone and you haven't told your parents or you haven't told your small group leaders or your friends, it's probably a red flag that maybe it's not the right time or the right person to be dating because you should be able to talk about that with the people that you trust and that you look up to. And if you do feel ready to date, remember that the purpose of dating is to find out whether or not you want to marry this person and acquire as little baggage along the way as you can. Um, And dating is about really dying to yourself and serving that other person and helping each other grow closer to Jesus. So we definitely should have done this as a dating couple, come up with the why of why we were dating. It took us a little longer, but like when we got married, we made vows, which are our values and our um, the why behind our relationship, and now um, we've done it a few other times in our marriage. And once we were, we had been married a couple years. We were pregnant with our first child, and we were at a big convention. We were at a table with a bunch of pastors, and they noticed I was pregnant. And one of the pastors said, "Oh, well, you can kiss your relationship goodbye now that you're having kids. It'll be all about the kids." And we kind of laughed and. Then we were driving home that night, and I just started crying. And Eric was like, what's wrong? And I told him I was so worried about that being us. And he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go home, and we're going to write down new vows, vows for being a couple that has children. And so we brought ours. We just wrote these new Sarah and Eric's renewed covenant. It'll use a new frame for sure. It does. It's pretty but, dusty. But we wrote down um, some of them, and I won't read them all to you, but some of them said... Um, We promise to make our relationship with God and his church a priority. We promise to have regular heart-to-hearts and dates, resisting the temptation to only talk about our kids. Um, There's a bunch more. We promise to greet each other at the front door every day with eye eye contact and a kiss. And then what we did was we had our life group sign it. So we had all the people we were in a life group with sign it so that they can hold us accountable. So that's what we'd want to encourage you guys with in your relationships is to have people around you that care about you, that are pouring into you, that are praying for you, that you can call if you're going through a struggle or you're having a temptation or whatever it may be. Have those people around you. I think as Sarah and I have gone through a few different stages of dating to engage to married to having kids and then multiple kids, what we've discovered along the way is it is increasingly more difficult and it becomes harder and harder to maintain that why behind your relationship. And I know that even for some of you, as you think about the relationships of your parents, then maybe some of you are like, man, like our parents, it feels more like they're roommates than they actually love each other. And we just recognize, you know, we don't want that. Like, we want to always have a strong relationship so that when Charlie, I mean, we love him, but boom, when he gets kicked out of the door, like when he's off to college, like, I want to still enjoy this person that I'm with. And so we have to constantly keep the why before us. So if you're dating someone and maybe you've been dating for a few months and you've kind of gotten lazy in that relationship, maybe to have a conversation about why are we even in a relationship? It kind of reminds me of, um, of uh, uh, Bailey and Toph. Where's Bailey? She's over here somewhere. Um, Bailey and Toph, uh, they're getting engaged. And one of the things they said to me is they are engaged. I'm sorry. Whoa. What if I ruined her engagement? Wouldn't that be awesome? Thank the Lord. They are engaged. They are engaged. And one of the things that they told me is they said this. They said, we want to get married because we think we can do more for the kingdom of God together than we could separate. That is a couple right there who has a big why behind their relationship. All right, let's go to uh, number three. Number three, ask yourself, am I in this for someone or am I in this for some status? 
Am I in this for someone or am I in this for some status? I love the way Psalm 139 ends. It says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. As you're thinking about entering into a relationship with somebody, let me ask you this question. Do you like him or do you like the idea of him? Do you like her or do you like the idea of her? Are you dating this person? Because by dating them, it fills some void, some insecurity that you have, some feeling deep down that, man, if I date this person, my status is going to go up. People are going to think more about me. I'm going to finally feel confident. I'm going to finally feel worth something. If you are dating someone, not because you want to care about them and serve them and die to yourself for them, but because you hope that by that relationship, your status will be elevated, you are entering into really, really dangerous territory. Number four. Number four is you aren't just dating the individual, you are dating the family. And um, in the New Testament, when Paul talks about relationships, he calls men to be the first one to die to themselves. So this might sound like a tall order, but we want to encourage you men to ask permission to date your girlfriend. And the cool thing about that... From the parents. From the parents, yes. The cool thing about that is, even though it might be a little scary, it's not only showing her parents that you respect them and you honor them, but it's showing her that you respect her and you honor her. We were thinking about it. So is that 12 years? 12 years ago, this month, Eric actually asked my family if he could date me, and he asked my sisters, even the youngest one who was only eight, What'd she say? Still in diapers practice. Yeah, she was was so little. But he asked them all, and um, that was a really cool way for them to connect with him um, from the very beginning. And another cool thing about becoming close with the family and really pouring into the families of the person that you date is those are the people that you're going to spend a lot of time with. And if you do get married, like Eric's family, we spend so much time together, and I'm so thankful that they're such awesome people. That wasn't really something that I thought a lot about when I was dating, um, but it is something to think about because those are the people that will be in your life you'll spend a lot of time with. If you have kids, they'll be the grandparents to your kids. Um, So uh, it's a good idea to really pour into the family as well. And I I didn't know where I was going to kind of insert this, but I want to share, I want to remind all of you that if you're dating someone or if you're going to date somebody, that they come from a family. They come from a community. They come from people who care about them. And that means that the way you treat them matters to a lot of people. Gentlemen, I want to remind you that when you think about dating a girl, that when you think about pushing physical boundaries with her, that that girl has some parents who care about her, that that girl probably has some siblings who care about her, that that girl has some friends who care about her. And so if you're in this room and and maybe you're treating young women in a way where you're texting them and saying, hey, send me nude pics, or or, or you're reaching out to them and and wanting to hook up with them, and you're, you're viewing women as an object, that you're reducing them as an object, then I want you to think about how you're not only offending the God of the universe, but you're hurting a dad. You're hurting a mom. You're hurting a sibling. That when you choose to reduce somebody from an image-bearing child of God who is a princess of God into a mere object that you could consume, somebody that you could use for your own sexual gratification, that right behind that student sits parents and family and friends who really care about that girl. And when you cross those lines, when you treat that person in such an ungodly way, you are in sin. And God is angry at you. He is not okay with you treating his young women that way. 
And there's a whole family that behind that who would, if they saw the things that you texted or sent out, that you asked for, that they would be appalled. And so I want you to think about young men and young women as you're associating with each other, as you're reaching out to each other, as you're texting each other, to ask yourself, what if her dad saw these texts? What if her brother saw these texts? How would I feel? Because right behind that girl or right behind that guy is a whole family that cares about him. All right, that got intense. Number five, number five, number five. Date someone who points you to Jesus. Date someone who points you to Jesus. I cannot drive this point home more clearly than this. Date someone who points you to Jesus. Why? Why does it matter that you date someone who also loves Jesus? Here's why. The purpose of single life and the purpose of dating and marriage is the same. That those people in your life, the person you date and the person you marry, and as a single person, the friends that you have, the point is that they would help prepare you for eternity with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Remember we talked about this when we did our Heaven series, and we talk about it every time we talk about relationships. Every marriage has an expiration date. God's desire is the expiration date is once the couple dies or something like that happens. But the, the goal is that this, this marriage, even as amazing as the marriage that Sarah and I have, it has an expiration date. There is a larger point to Sarah and I's marriage. And it's that we would help one another become more like Christ. That we would prepare each other for eternity with Jesus. And so if you're dating someone who can't do that, who isn't in a relationship with Jesus, then you are missing the entire point behind dating. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, do not be yoked together. That means to be like tied and connected together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, Paul's not saying don't have friends who don't love Jesus. Absolutely. That's what we love to do. We want to be friends with people who don't know Jesus. But when it comes to those intimate relationships, when it comes to those romantic boyfriend and girlfriend relationships, I want to challenge all of you, commit to somebody who loves Jesus and who will ultimately point you to Jesus. Um, the reality of what we've discovered is that through dating and marriage, you will be influenced by the person you date and marry. They will profoundly influence you. And what's crazy is you will actually become more like them. Like Sarah and I are like, we've kind of started to become more, we think a little bit more like each other. We're really influenced by each other. And so the question is, is Sarah somebody that I want to become more like? Is Sarah somebody who she is becoming more like Christ? And as I'm with her and hanging out with her and as we're married, that I'm becoming more like Christ in the process. And so students want to encourage you to, to, uh, to date someone who ultimately points you to Jesus. Mm, yes. Do you want to tell it, sorry? Yeah. Or you want me to tell it? I'll tell which, which um, story? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so there's this couple that we know. Oh. There's this couple that we know. Um, Good and, story. And this is a great story. Uh, there's this couple that we know, and they, they have this amazing marriage, and they have this incredible relationship. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're dating and marrying someone who loves Jesus, all of your values get aligned, and the way you think and the things that are important to you, they just come together. And so this couple, this couple was getting ready to uh, buy a new car, and so they had their car, and, and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. They could have sold it. They could have done lots of stuff with it, but God put it on their heart to give that car away. And what was so cool is three times the Lord revealed to this couple that they should give their car away. And I believe because this couple both loves Jesus, 
because both of these people are so passionately in love with Jesus, it wasn't a tough decision. That as they came together, they said, of course we want to use this car in the way that God wants us to use it. And when you're dating or married to somebody who loves Jesus and who points you back to Jesus, that's the kind of stuff that you get to experience. Number six. Awesome. Number six is more communication equals more understanding. So when you're in a relationship, it's so important to communicate, to ask each other, how can I care for you? Or even on a weekly basis, how can I best care for you this week? Um, when Eric and I were first married, we decided to start this thing where we would just share a couple things with each other that would really help the other person feel more loved. And so one time, I, and this is going to make me sound like such a nerd, but I said, it would be so awesome if you initiated cleaning, because I felt like I was kind of, he didn't really care about cleaning, and I don't like cleaning, but I was doing it all the time, and so that's the one I shared, and then he shared, well, I would feel really loved if you hung out with me and did something that was just fun, and we weren't as busy, and so that week, one day, I said, we had a lot going on, a lot to do, and we had a ping pong table in the backyard, and I said, hey, let's go outside and play ping pong, and we played a game of ping pong, and he literally talks about it all I the time. I still remember it. I mean, it was yeah. like so many years ago, and I was like, remember that night we played ping pong? That was awesome, right? Like, it was so cool to do that. Yeah, and then he, the next day was Saturday, and we woke up, and he said, guess what today is? It's shiny Saturday. And I was like, mm. and he said, it's where we clean till it shines. And he turned on music and like totally made cleaning so fun. And so that's just And I was dying inside during that. I dying tell. inside. But, but the idea, the idea is, is how do we best love each other? How do we best care for each other? And recognizing that that would be one way to serve and to care for Sarah and to make something that we both have to do, the chores, to make them more fun and, and something that I was participating in, that that meant a lot to Sarah. And honestly, you guys, in my opinion, the very, very best part of marriage is the heart-to-heart. So having heart-to-hearts at the end of the day and sharing what we've been going through and um, spurring each other on in our faith and talking about Jesus, all of that is is just so awesome. So make sure when you're choosing somebody to date or when you're dating someone that you can have real conversations, that you can talk about things and that you can communicate because communication just makes everything so much better when you can connect on that level. That's awesome. Number seven, let this question guide your single and dating life. Let this question guide your single and dating life. Does this worship Jesus? You guys, as followers of Jesus, I think this is the, one of the most important questions you could ask yourself daily, on the regular, does this worship Jesus? The things that you and your friends are doing, is this worshipful to Jesus? The conversations you're having, are they worshipful to Jesus? The way that you and your boyfriend or girlfriend interact with each other, is it worshipful to Jesus? I think especially when it comes to boundaries, this is a really important question to talk about. The backing for this, the scripture behind this is Romans chapter 12, verses one to two. Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says, look, the, one of the ways you worship God is by making sure that your body is living in a way that's honoring to God. And when you do that, instead of living in a way that culture says, what culture values, but instead, instead of conforming to what culture says is okay and what every other boyfriend and girlfriend are doing, but if you choose instead to use your body, to use your relationships 
in a way that worships Jesus. And I'm not just saying, like, when my boyfriend and I have sex, like, we're worshiping. No, you're not. Like, you're not worshiping at that point. I'm talking about what does the scriptures say about worship? Here's what the scriptures say about worship when it comes to sex. Is it says sex outside of the context between a husband and a wife is not worshipful to Jesus. It's just not. Now, God will forgive that, but God is not okay with that. So sex outside of, outside of a husband and a wife being married is not worshipful to God. But what's awesome, what's incredible, is that as your, as your view of sex is beginning to form, I don't want you to ever think that as a part of this youth group that sex is bad or evil or that it's wrong. It's actually good. It was actually given to us by God, and it is actually worshipful to Jesus within the context of a husband and wife. Now, our culture blows sex up and says, man, sex is everything. Here's the thing. There's lots of people, including Jesus and Paul, and that looks like waiting until you are married to you with your husband and wife in marriage. But when we talk about boundaries, maybe some of you are thinking about, well, what's crossing the line? You know what? I'm not sure exactly. Honestly, I think you actually need to have that conversation with your parents. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you sat your parents down, and you're like, hey, mom and dad, how far are you okay with me going with my boyfriend or girlfriend? That'd be awesome. I like pray Brinley and Lila and Charlie and Levi like have that conversation with me. But here's the thing. I recognize maybe you're like, oh, I can't talk to my parents. Talk to your small group leaders. Talk to your other Christian friends. I want to just throw this out there because I want it to be kind of practical and helpful. But please hear me saying, if your parents think differently than this, follow what your parents say. Talk to your parents about this. But in my personal opinion, anything past hugging, holding hands, or <laughs> this is a stupid phrase, short kissing, right? Like just like a quick kiss. <laughs> Anything beyond that, I don't think is helpful for your relationship. I don't think it's something that ultimately is going to worship Jesus. And so I think you need to have those conversations really early on when you're beginning to date someone. What are going to be our boundaries? And ultimately, are our boundaries ultimately worshiping Jesus? And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, but looking at porn or asking for nude pics from each other or saying, hey, let's hook up, let's sleep together, that is in no way worshipful to Jesus. Not in any way worshipful to Jesus. And the problem is we have a culture. We have a culture that has continued to feed pornography and say, man, that is a good thing. In fact, what's so crazy to me is all over media, all over the place, there can be so many people talking about women's rights and nobody's condemning pornography. I don't get that at all. I think that's complete ludicrous. You know why? Because 90% of pornography involves violence against women. How are we okay with that? Pornography is a complete objectification of women. It is in no way empowering to women. And it is in every way reducing women to a tool, an object to be consumed and used. And that is an incredibly dangerous thing. And so young men, young men, if you want to choose to worship Jesus and young women, because pornography is not just a guy struggle, but it's a girl struggle as well. That if you choose, if you're, if you're struggling with that, reach out to your small group leader. Talk with students. Talk with other people who can encourage you. Because the goal of your single life and dating and ultimately your marriage life is that it would be something that is filled with worship of Jesus. There's actually a small group here. There's a small group here. A guy's small group. Who they came up with something called the Boys Ten Commandments. And one of those Boys Ten Commandments. <laughs> Thank you, Nico. <laughs> You just outed yourself. One of those boys, <laughs> one of those boys' Ten Commandments is this, sexual purity. 
I can't tell you how cool it is that a group of young men who are growing up in a culture that says your value and worth is how much sex you consume, for a group of young men to say, actually, as followers of Jesus, our desire is to have sexual purity. That's an absolutely incredible thing. And here's the thing. The kind of sex that you have seen on TV, that you've seen in movies, or that you've seen in pornography, is completely counterfeit. It's nothing like what real sex is like. In fact, sex, sex is more complicated, it's more real, it's more challenging, and it's way more unifying than anything that could be depicted on TV or in pornography. And here's the, re here's the reality of sex. Sex the way God intended it is not asking the question, how can I get what I want? That's not what sex is about. Sex is instead asking the question, how can I give to bring us together? How can I give to bring us together? That sex, the way God intended it to be, would be about unifying a husband and a wife. And lastly, sex is not the glue to a relationship. This is the danger of having sex before you get married, is it becomes the glue to the relationship, and you're constantly living in fear. What if we break up? What if we don't last? This person has now experienced the most intimate thing with me. The way God intended it to be, sex is not the glue to a relationship. It is the celebration of a relationship between a husband and a wife. All right, that's number seven. Sarah, take us to number eight. Okay, I want to say something about number seven really oh, quick. Yeah. I, um, I think it's oh, so yeah. important to make that decision, make the decisions of your boundaries and of you not having sex until you're married, even if you already have and you're saying, you know what, I'm serious about you, Jesus, from now on, I, I don't want to. I think it's so important to make that decision before you're in a place where you're tempted. And I kind of got lucky in that way in high school. Um, a group of girls, there were 10 of us girls in a small group together, and we had a night, a talk kind of like this about love and sex and dating, and we all were outside afterwards sitting in a circle, and for some reason, our small group leader wasn't there, but we all went around and shared like what, what we felt about that, if we agreed with the speaker or not, and we went around, and eight of the girls shared, I don't know, I probably won't have sex till I'm married, but maybe if I'm really in love, maybe, I don't know, and then there were two of us, me and my friend Caitlin, who said like, it's going to be hard, and we might be the only ones, but we're not going to do it until we get married. And then, and I'm still friends with those girls, and all eight of them who said maybe, they all ended up um, having sex before they were married because they didn't, like, make that decision. So I just want to encourage you. And, and do not feel any condemnation. If you're feeling condemned right now, don't worry. That is not from God. That's from the enemy. You are forgiven. Anybody who confesses their sins is healed. So turn to Jesus. He will forgive you. Um, but if you haven't made that decision... Yet, I encourage you to think about it. Like, go home and think about it tonight and say, you know what? I'm making this decision from here on out or for the first time ever, I'm going to commit this to the Lord. It will be so much easier if you make it before you're even in a relationship. And I just want to say one last thing about that. Knowing in a room like this that there are some of you who have already had sex. Totally. And maybe even after hearing this, you're like, well, all right, well, I've already had sex once or my boyfriend and I, we used to have sex. And you know what? I might as well just keep having sex because I already ruined it that one time. Here's the thing. Here's what I want to say. Tonight, you can make a decision that from this point on, yes. until you get married, that you are not going to have sex, and that will be a completely worshipful and God-honoring decision. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, there is a difference between you marrying your husband and wife someday and saying, you know what? In my past, I did have sex with somebody before you, but that was back then, and there was this season where I worshiped Jesus, where I honored God with my relationship and I chose not to. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. 
What's not as incredible is I had this high school boyfriend and then this college boyfriend and then this post-college boyfriend, and I, I slept with all of them. That can be a more challenging, and, and here's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to be like um, condemning or judgmental. We're trying to help you guys because we've worked with lots of couples who the more people that you have sex with and the more sexual baggage that you carry into your marriage, the more challenging it can be, that there will be things you'll have to work through, and we just want to spare you of that. And any one of your leaders or parents or friends or pastors or whatever who have gone down that road, they would be able to tell you the exact same thing. But if you already have, know that you can still worship Jesus, that you can choose right now to live a life that honors God. All right, next one. Number eight, choose to forgive before you feel like it. And Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. So because Jesus has forgiven us for so much, he calls us to then go and forgive. And this one has been so important for us because if you've been in a relationship for a while, you have to say I'm sorry and you have to forgive each other. That's just part of it. And I am not anywhere near the perfect wife and Eric is not the perfect husband and we hurt each other and we have to say sorry all the time. But we have adopted a new saying in our family that we taught the kids. We say we learned this from somebody else. Um, but we say we are a house of confession, not perfection, meaning we have to confess all the time because we're not perfect and we all have to say sorry. And the important thing, this one's really hard, forgiving before you feel like it because you almost never feel like forgiving somebody when you're still hurt by them. But even recently, even this, was it this week? It was like a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, two weeks ago probably, we got in a fight and Eric was, he had promised something that, he was going to be somewhere and he wasn't there and I was angry and I was a theater major so I can be a little dramatic sometimes and and I'm Eric and you know me I can be dramatic so. yeah right so I was upset and I stormed out of the room and you know the reason for storming out of a room is so that the person follows you into the other room but what were you doing instead of following me into the other room? I fell asleep and I'm sorry I was just tired I was so tired you guys I was so tired from a long day I fell asleep. Yeah, he fell asleep. So then I was sad, and we actually went to bed, and it was unresolved, yeah. and um, which is hard. And then the next morning, I think Eric, you are usually quicker to say sorry. He's really good at saying sorry, but he apologized, and then I apologized, and we were still a little upset, but we chose to just forgive each other and work it out. And so that's just something you have to do again and again and again. And it helps me to think about, honestly, to think about this verse. Like, Jesus has forgiven me yeah. for everything, and yes. I'm such a mess of a human being, and he forgives me again and again and again, so, so I can go and do that for yeah. Eric and for each other. Yeah, and I think I want to give you one tip. If you are going to apologize, do not do a half-hearted apology. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a half-hearted apology. This is a half-hearted apology. I'm sorry you felt that way. Mm -hmm. That's a half-hearted apology. That puts the blame on them. If you are going to apologize, own it. Fully own it and say, you know what? I recognize that what I did hurt you and that was not okay and I'm sorry. A half-hearted apology will not lead to a reconciled relationship. It will continue to breed more bitterness and resentment. So um, number nine, number nine, keep Jesus number one. Keep Jesus number one. Here's the thing. Mary and Sarah was the second best decision of my life. It was, I tell people all the time, Mary and Sarah was the second best decision of my life. It does not, Mary and Sarah does not replace the most important and the best decision I've ever made in my life, and it was saying yes to Jesus. 
It was choosing to follow Jesus. And the best thing I can do for Sarah is have a great relationship with Jesus. The best thing I can do for the kids is have a great relationship with Jesus and a great relationship with their mom. Something I tell the kids all the time is I say, Charlie, Brinley, Levi, Lila, I say, daddy loves Jesus, daddy loves mommy, and daddy loves you. I want them to always know that in that order, that in that priority, that dad is passionate about Jesus, that they never have to worry about that. That dad is crazy about their mom and that dad absolutely loves and adores them. And so choose to keep Jesus number one in your life. But here's the thing. This is going to be a hard one. I remember when Sarah and I were dating, I was at school in San Diego and I was driving home and all of a sudden it was raining. I pulled over and I just sensed the Lord telling me this. I felt like he said, Eric, I want you to give up Sarah. And I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship before and you've just sensed that it was time to give up that relationship, that can oftentimes be such a scary, scary feeling. And I remember I just started crying. I started crying in my car, and for like two hours, I was praying and talking, and I realized that up to that point, Sarah had become an idol for me, that she had become my everything, that I no longer was focused in on God. I was no longer keeping Jesus number one, but she had replaced him. She was my world. She was my absolute everything. And that's an incredibly dangerous place for Sarah to be. Because Sarah can't replace Jesus. She can't be the God of my life. She will always fail at that, just like I will always fail being the God of her life. And so I felt like Jesus said, I want you to give her up. And I remember after that two hours, I honestly, I think in the deepest part of my heart said, God, it would be the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but I will give Sarah up. I want you more than I want Sarah. And I remember that week, there was a lot of praying. And I felt like at the end of the week, God had actually changed my heart. That it wasn't as much about actually physically giving Sarah up. It was taking her from that place of number one and putting her right back in the place where she was supposed to be in my life. And so that was an incredibly important uh, time for me. Uh, oh, last thing I want to say about that. Um, there are three different kinds of ways to interact in a relationship. There's a codependent relationship an interdependent relationship, and then an independent relationship. Codependent relationships, they look like this. I need you to fix me. I need you to fix me. Those are incredibly dangerous. They're like leeches. Like you're just like sucking each other's blood. Like it's just, it's just a bad relationship because they're codependent because they exist. They go, I need you so much because you've got to fix me. But on the other side, also equally dangerous kind of relationship is an absolutely independent relationship where you basically are saying, I do not want you in my life. I don't need you. I'm over here. I don't want you in my life. The kind of relationship that I think honors God is an interdependent relationship that says we choose to serve one another. Not because we need to, not because I'm dead inside outside of Sarah, but because we are actively choosing to love each other. All right, coming into the home stretch, y'all. Number 10. <laughs> Number 10, avoid the forbidden words never and always. Ooh. So early on when we were dating, Eric made the rule we can never say never or always because it's just not true and it's just hurtful to say you never do this or you always do this. And um, another thing that we wanted to share with you is um, from Proverbs 15. One, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So it's not always about what you say, but how you say it. So we try to say things to each other that are a little more gentle and a little more loving. And the best way to do this is when you are mad and you are frustrated, just 
don't talk about it right then. Take no, time to right. breathe, take time to pray, and then talk about it. Another thing you should avoid early on is saying I love you. Those are really big, powerful words. So that's something to also really pray through. And going back to your advisors, talk to people. If you feel like you want to say that to the person that you're with, share that first with your parents or your small group leader um, because that's something that you won't be able to take back after you say it. So I remember the first time I said I love you to Sarah. Um, we had been dating for like... I think around six months or so, and um, I said, uh, we were on the phone just kind of like finishing up our conversation. I was like, all right, Sarah, I love you, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, bye, and I just like hung up on her because I was like so nervous because like, that is not how I wanted to say I love you, like over the phone, how lame, that's like texting I love you, it's the worst thing ever, <laughs> and so I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, but we had gotten to that point where it felt like I was just being dishonest to Sarah to not say I love you. But what I did is we, as we had that conversation, I said, Sarah, when I say I love you, this is what I mean. It means I'm committed to you. It means I'm not going anywhere. It means I want to serve you. It means I want to put you first. It means I want to die to myself. And I want to encourage you. I want to speak words of life into you. And so really thinking about the words that you say to each other is important because this is something that Sarah and I have learned along the way. How you say something is just as important as what you say. How you say something is just as important as what you say. So you could be wanting to deal with the conflict, but if the way, the how behind what you're saying is so angry, so intense, so attacking, you'll never resolve that conflict. How you say something is just as important as what you say. All right, two more. Last one, number 11. Focus on being the right person.